Welcome back to Golds and Boards. And today, it's supposed to be three of us. Phil might be joining us shortly. Hopefully, everything is all right over there. But <laughs> without further ado, it's always, as always, your host, Gio. With me is Mr. Brad Crosley. How is it going tonight, buddy? Gio, what's happening, my, my friend? Uh, you know, living the dream, as always. Living the dream. Ready for some... Uh... A little Tuesday MASL action a little later tonight. A little bonus yeah, we're game. Gonna, we're going to talk about that. We're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, I am looking forward to it. I don't know if I'm staying up because it's kind of late, man. 1030. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm staying up. Let, let, before we dive into any MASL talk, uh, real quick, if you're not subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you are subscribed, thank you. Uh, hit that bell icon, hit the like button, drop a comment. And if you're listening to us the next day on wherever you get your podcast, make sure you hit that follow button and make sure you leave a rating and, and maybe even a comment. We love we love the engagement. So keep it up. Keep it up. Uh, Brad, yes. this weekend, we only had six games, but I felt like it was still action packed, right? Absolutely. There were some... Uh... Some really good games, some important games, um, some pretty interesting games. So, yeah, you know, short schedule because of the, you know, there was some type of football game or something on Sunday. I don't know what, what it was, but um, so MESL didn't play. Um, but little little light on the, on the schedule compared to, to uh, normal. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it was still entertaining. Nonetheless, it was definitely entertaining. And why not? Let's get into it. Why not? And I'm going to ask you a question here because I think while I would love to have gotten Phil's take, I think it's still a conversation we should have. And that's, is Chihuahua the favorite in the West? And before you answer, I'm just going to give everyone a quick rundown of what Chihuahua's weekend looked like. They played... Uh, First, first, they started off with San Diego. They hosted San Diego on February 9th, which was the Friday. It was an 8-6 win for Chihuahua. And then that Saturday, they hosted Texas Outlaws, which was a more comfortable win. It was a 7-4 win. What did you think about Chihuahua? And then we can get into the answer. Um, I think they look good, right? Um, I mean, we've talked about it before. They made a concerted effort to make some changes after kind of a slow start for them. And it seems to be paying off, right? I mean, they're, they seem like the Chihuahua of old in, in the fact that they're, you know, they're tough at home. They're winning the games they should win. And uh, it, it was a great weekend for them. And, you know, I think, I th obviously, I think uh, the the San Diego game was more impressive win than the than the Texas game, um, and to the chagrin of most San Diego uh, aficionados, uh, the Savage have their number. Yeah, this season they definitely have San Diego's number because not only have they won at Pachanga Arena, they have now beat them at their own corner sports arena and i don't know and i might get some slack for this but i feel like both games they were very comfortable you know the score line wasn't like super 
drastic, more so in Pachanga than in corner sports. But all in all, I felt like Chihuahua was always comfortable when they played San Diego in those two games specifically. I agree. And when you watch San Diego games, when they play some other teams, they're kind of the ones that make teams uncomfortable. And it seems to be the other way around when Chihuahua is playing San Diego, right? They seem, uh, Chihuahua, I'm I'm, uh, referring to, like you said, seem very comfortable. They're not at all intimidated. Uh, They know they can beat them in San Diego because they did it last year in the playoffs. Um, they did it again this year, and um, we'll get to your to your big question here in a minute. But San Diego is going to need to figure something out when it comes to Chihuahua uh, and the Western Conference. Yeah, for sure. And and you know some of the things that stand out for me for Chihuahua is one, their their guys who are supposed to be the guys have been finding their forms right. Um, Popa Hernandez, uh, yeah. Macias is, is finally, El Flaco, their captain, is finally starting to find their form. Hugo Puentes is finding his form. But the one player that wasn't like, he was just a rotating player last season. Miguel Angel Diaz has become, in the last four games, this guy has gotten a star or one of the three stars of the game. And uh, he is now... Tied in points with Hugo Puentes, which are the two leading point scorer, and he is the top goal scorer, which it's it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. It, it is, and, and that's a great point because when you when you start adding on layered scoring other than the big guys, right? They were scary when it was those guys really producing. <laughs> now you have these other guys, um, watch it. Watch out for Chihuahua for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, I think, uh, and then another point before we answer our question here is, we should note that they are undefeated in the West when playing Western teams. So, I think that that sets up back to our question: Is Chihuahua the favorite in the West? Do you want the short answer or the long answer? I want the long answer because last <laughs> week you said San Diego was the favorite. Nah, Chihuahua is the best team in the West. Oh, for sure it is. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, even your diehard San Diegans, as much as they wouldn't want to admit it, I think they know it as well. Um, like you said, Chihuahua is undefeated against everyone except Monterey. Right. Yeah. So they've beaten Texas twice. They've beaten San Diego twice. They've beaten Kansas City. You know, they've beaten everybody else um, other than Monterey, uh, which, you know, they won't have to worry about them until the final if it gets to that point. But to my point of them being the best in the West, absolutely. Right. They've beaten everybody. You know, they beat San Diego twice, who San Diego is supposedly you know, the top team in the West. They beat them twice. So I think that's undeniable. Uh, unlike maybe what their record shows, that they are the best in the West, right? I mean, they're, they're tops in the entire league in goals against, right? They've only given up 56 goals the entire season. 
which is pretty mm-hmm. ridiculous, right? They're scoring almost seven goals a game. Um, yeah, I, I think, again, they've beaten San Diego twice, who, who again, is has been the top dog in, in the West for so many years. So, yeah, they're the best team in the West. Yeah, I said it last last week, and I'll say it again this week. I think Chihuahua is the class of the West until proven otherwise. I, I know I, that's that's heartburn for for Texas fans. That's heartburn for San Diego fans who I honestly still think San Diego is a contender. And I really don't want to just write people off because like there's still a lot of matches to be played, right? But 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 Chihuahua's just looking good, man. Chihuahua's looking good. After after yeah. like bouncing back from their losses from Monterrey, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you can never you can never count San Diego out. They got tremendous talent out there, obviously, but they're they're going to need to figure something out when it comes to Chihuahua, right? I mean, Chihuahua kind of has their number right now, and depending on you know seating in the West, obviously, I don't think they would ever meet in the first round because you know I yeah. Chihuahua or San Diego they're not going to be a one and a four seed so it would be in in the the round after that um so they do have some time but they're San Diego needs to figure out kind of you know the nuances of playing Chihuahua and and, and figure out how they're gonna beat them because they're gonna have to yeah, another team we saw this weekend with some action who obviously played Chihuahua was Texas, right? Texas is going through a moment, and it's not because they've just bad form. It's just because international duties took a big – it's taken a big hit on them, right? Like, they, they play Chihuahua without Morales, without Seb, without Ortiz. And this weekend, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, well, one, the game we have to preview tonight, and then two, the, they play San Diego again this weekend late on Friday, I want to say. Yeah, uh, sorry, Thursday. And then they play um, – then they have time off to, to kind of like re- recuperate. But it's still like two very important games in this past game against Chihuahua, which they ended up losing. It was a, a 7-4 loss. It, it's a, it took a big hit on them, I think. It did, and it's it's a, I mean, it's a bit unfair in my opinion. I think uh, you know they had a brutal stretch of game uh, stretch of games here, right? And because of national team duty, uh, you know the national futsal duty, they're missing arguably their three best guys, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't care what team you are, you're missing your your top guys. It, it's it's a struggle sometimes, right? And especially when you're playing, you're playing Chihuahua, you're playing San Diego, um, which yeah. you know these are huge, have huge implications in your playoff run, and again the the standings there and, and the seating, um, just kind of bad luck for them. And I I wanted to get your opinion on this, Gio, because we were talking a little bit about it before we came on the air, and that is. Uh, National team duty, right? I mean, I think, um, you know, it's obviously always an honor for anyone to be called up to play for a national team, whether it's a beach national team, whether it's a futsal national team, or whether it's the, you know, outdoor national team. 
obviously it's a huge honor and, you know, players want to do that. Um, I think my, my question to you is, I guess not that is it fair because I don't think that's the right questions. Um, do you think players should prioritize national team play over their club play or kind of what's your, what's your thought on that? So I'll say this. Um, I think anytime national team is called up, players should prioritize national team. Um, I, I, I just, that's one probably because I come from the outdoor world and that's what's always done in the outdoor world. But it's just, you know, it's like, like being caught up for Olympics, being caught up for any international tournament is just such an honor. I, th I think you have to. It's kind of crazy if you miss out on the opportunity, right? And then the other thing is, if you're MASL, why didn't you look at those schedules and kind of map around it, knowing that you have players that are going to be going away? If If you wanted to, right? If you wanted to. You don't have to. I have an answer to that, but keep going. <laughs> and don't I, I know you're gonna say arena arena availabilities well. but like I, I just I just feel like all right Utica did it right obviously Utica did it because their coach is the head coach of <laughs> the head coach of the futsal national team they have players that are going down there so they map their schedule based on that so why not other teams do it that you know, or maybe they didn't know all three of those players were going to be called up. But I, I still think you got to kind of map your schedule around those international duties because you never know. Any player that's going to be called up can be called up. And why wouldn't a player go? Like, Yeah, and, and this is my only problem with how this look. at least the way this looks to me, Gio, this really stinks. Uh, this is very smelly to me. Because I find it, hmm, very convenient. But it's not convenient. You know, you know they did their schedule this way. You of course, know they did their very schedule. Very convenient that Utica hasn't played any games over the stretch, right? And other teams are getting pounded by this. I just don't think that's fair, right? Um, but, but it was. It's obvious that scheduling was done. A certain way for a certain team it's obvious but the, but but here here's the counterpoint to that right you knew when the camps were going to be done because the camps weren't just like oh we're going to go this week no camps were already scheduled months in advance because one they have to get the logistics of playing all those clubs in argentina in buenos aires right they have to schedule everything the flights and all that so it's like i feel like there has been enough time that any team that was going to have players called up probably had enough time to 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 map map their schedule around it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I I still think if you are called up, you should go. I'm thinking more. I think in some people had more of a say in it than others. Let's let's put it that way. Now, one other question I have for you in reference to this, right? Is, oh, that's a great, great point, Jack. I totally forgot that this game wasn't original. Right, but still, Texas still is is getting hammered by this, right? Oh yeah, where they would have, but but two where, games is better than three, right? But zero games is also better than two. <laughs> fair, right? Fair, 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 okay. fair. 
So my my other question to you, Gio, is so the differences between uh, the beach call up and the futsal call up. Okay, so the beach call up, that's the World Cup, right? That is the World Cup of beach soccer. Okay, the futsal one is you know a, just a camp. Okay, so um, do you think one prioritizes the other one? Because I think obviously. If you have a chance to play in a in a World Cup, regardless of the form of soccer, right? I mean, that's just a no brainer. Yeah, I was surprised that uh, Chris and um, uh, Canale and and Ferrer were here instead of Dubai when the rest of the team flew out. Uh, granted, I think with Nick his responsibility is a little bit higher than just being a player at, at Tacoma. Right. Right. So him being the GM probably is, is he's the GM, right? Still the GM, right? Um, yeah. I think that that is a little bit more of a, a harder decision. And then being the, I guess the players on the GM's team, it's like, Oh, if he's not going, maybe I should, Relax too. I don't know. I'm just speculating, right? I I do think it was weird that they were playing. <laughs> well, and we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. It came to bite them in the butt. Yeah, yeah, big Sadly. time. Uh, but let's let's actually let's let's talk Tacoma just because we've already opened the the Pandora's box. Tacoma had two games this weekend, right? For, first game was against Kansas City on Friday. It was a one. It was a tie game went to overtime, and went to shootouts, something we haven't seen in some time, which was very exciting, right? Tacoma Tacoma ended up winning that game. And then the next day, they traveled to St. Louis and had a bit of a roller coaster where they were dominant, then St. Louis caught up, and then they just went on a roll, and it ended 6-12, which was a very roller coaster ride. Um, and as you mentioned – Having Nick there bit them in the butt because in the game against Kansas City, he gets a knee injury and misses the rest of the Kansas City game, the second half, and then doesn't even play in St. Louis. I do hope he is okay and a speedy recovery, but it did bite him in the butt. It did, you know, and just to, you know, kind of piggyback on what you just said, you know, hopefully it's nothing too serious. We wish Nick all the health in the world and a speedy recovery. Um, and yeah, it sucks. You know, now he's out for the, for the world, for the beach world cup. Um, so, yeah. you know, just, just tough circumstances there. But as far as Tacoma goes, man, two needed wins, right? Two good wins for them, both on the road. Um, a big win against Kansas city in Kansas city, which is a tough place to play. Um, you know, Kansas city struggling, um, they're trying to crawl back into the conversation in the East and great game for Tacoma. And I do want to note, and man, I meant to write it down. Hopefully maybe someone in the chat knows, or you do Gio. I it's, it's, uh, I, I'm not getting off the top of my head the the guy's name, two of the most filthy shootouts I've ever seen in a long time. For the win, and I believe he's our like he's only played like two games. 
His name is Nani Mendoza. Mendoza. That was it. Mendoza. Filthy. Filthy shootouts, bro. Yeah. 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 Um, first of all, first of all, anytime I get to watch a shootout is very fun, even if it's just like a, a PK shootout, right? I I think shootouts are probably so fun just because they start at the top of the box, take that touch, and it it's a one on one. I think it's fun. It's probably sucks to be a goalkeeper in those scenarios, but uh, it it was definitely some filthy, you know, shootouts in in this game. And yeah. hey, you know what? Props to, to Kansas City though, because they even though the first half, like they, I, I felt like they they blew it the first like quarter and, and a half because they were in the lead and then they allowed Kansas City to come back. But then for them to even just grind it out and and force Tacoma to tie it when they're been in such a rut, props props to them. And that could have been anyone's game, but Jamel Cox in this game was something. And, something <laughs> and that kind of goes to the point of them you know grinding out these wins minus nick right um and yeah. we've talked for a very long time at least the past two seasons if not more of just how much nick is charged with the production of the team yeah. and you know with him being out the whole second half of Kansas City, the entire game of St. Louis, the other guys, they had to step up, right? They have to if they're going to continue. And, man, Juice was just, uh, man, yeah. he, he's on fire, right? And, um, I mean, he, he produces anyways. Yeah, he produced anyways. But, man, he, he really kind of took that to the next level. And, you know, we're going to see here how long Nick is really going to be out. Um. But in the meantime, obviously, that's going to have to continue. Uh, unfortunately, they will be without, um, you know, the two guys that are on beach duty um, now. So that's going to hurt them a little bit. And without Nick, that's that's kind of tough sledding for Tacoma. Yeah, I think I, we're going to talk about Tacoma here in a little bit more just because uh, we don't want to preview the games just yet. We kind of just want to get the, reca- the reactions on the games. But I, I'm tipping my hat off to Juice Cox because I mean six six points in that St. Louis game, three yeah. goals, three assists. I mean, talking about a person stepping up, uh, huge shout out to him. Um, but let's let's move over. Let's move over to Kansas City because we just kind of talked about Kansas City. Um, we talked about their loss against Tacoma, but then they also turned around and played Empire, who had a rough weekend, I think. And on Saturday, they ended up winning 7-2 to Kansas City, won 7-2, I should mention. And this was the first weekend we saw them without Zach Reggett because Zach Reggett is away on national team duties. Right. <laughs> but they played well, man. They did. Um, it, was a, it was a good time for that game. Right, you had Empire that had played the night before, late. Right, that was a that was a seven thirty five start in Baltimore, so that didn't end till you know ten o'clock, um, and then a short turnaround flying to Kansas City to play. So that that worked in Kansas City's favor, obviously, and they really really needed this win. They've just been really struggling, and you know anyone that's ever played any type of 
of competitive sport, um, when those losses keep piling up and piling up and piling up, it's just it's very, very difficult, right? You need to try and stay positive and, and kind of move through that. So they really needed that win. So that that was that was a good way for them to kind of maybe look to turn the corner. Maybe. You're being very careful with that maybe. Well, the reason I'm saying maybe is, um, you, you know, they still have some. There's they still have some issues defensively. I think you know they're giving up a lot of goals. Um, and then I was you know, they've given up, up almost a hundred goals this this season. That's it's that's a lot, right? Um, and that's kind of been their issue over the last couple of years. They brought in some players, thought that might alleviate that a little bit. It probably hasn't been as, as successful as they may want. Um, and then looking forward, you know, their schedule is pretty tough, right? They play Chihuahua. They play yeah. San Diego twice. They play uh, uh, Utica. So by no means have they turned the corner to where they're locked into that 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 four seed because they, they, got, a, they got some tough games coming up. Yeah, Kansas City, it's tough to say. Like, I know our question was, is Kansas City turning the corner? But it, it's it's tough to say when they have such a wild schedule. And then, like, I know this was without Zach Reggett, right? So there's some, some caveat points or some caveats there. But they play Tacoma to a shootout, right? Tacoma is essentially the 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 bottom of the four that are moving off to the playoffs, right? You're playing Chihuahua, who we're saying is the best, and then you you have some San Diego. It's just it's just some tough challenges. Like yeah. this is kind of opening the door for Baltimore. It is, and they're you know they have I think I think Baltimore has four games in hand. I think it, to to Kansas City, which is which is massive. Um, which is and it's only a nine point difference between yeah. the two. Yeah, so. Um, it's going to be, uh, it is going to be a dog fight for that fourth spot in the East. Yeah. That's assuming no one falls apart. Part. <laughs> assuming, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, obviously Monterey is not falling apart from what we've seen with Utica. I don't see really them falling apart, to be honest with you. Milwaukee, yeah. you know, I mean, I think they're, they're strong enough to kind of at least maintain what they have at this point. You know, now playoffs. Once playoffs start, that's a whole different ball game. I mean, that's like resetting. You know, we saw Baltimore make that run last year. You know, no home games, knocking off Milwaukee twice at home. So, and you know, playoffs are a whole other thing. But I think that first that first three, obviously, I think is pretty safe. It's it's going to be a dogfight for that fourth spot. Yeah, I I I would I would agree there just it's just fun to speculate though it, oh yeah um and and we're gonna talk about the last game of the weekend which was empire in baltimore but before we before we move on i did want to mention i wanted to talk about kansas uh, tacoma later on in the breakdown but i realized they're only playing dallas so i'll just make my point now that nick is missing the world cup right so that's assuming that he's going to miss at least until the 25th of February. However, they only have one game until March 1st. So 
He's only missing one game if that's the scenario. And we might see Danny in goal. We might see Luis in goal, which would be very interesting to see who, who of the two keepers Tacoma decides to go with. So it's not that big of a deal, as big of a deal as we thought. So hopefully it is just until the 25th or maybe just until the 15th. We hope to see Nick back sooner. And Tacoma isn't going to be hurting as much for the, the Beach World Cup. Yeah, the schedule the schedule kind of fell uh, in, in their favor, right? For yeah. as far as that goes, um, you know, during that stretch, only having one game, so not as kind of crucial as, like I said, Texas has really been impacted by that uh, that national team duty. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the last game. Last game was Empire versus Baltimore, which was essentially the first game of the weekend, and. Uh, Big win for Baltimore, but Empire can't seem to get it right. What's what's going on there? What do you think is going on there? Um, look, I mean, we've we've talked about it all season. It was a total makeover for Empire, not just player personnel, but coaching personnel. Uh, it and and we have all agreed over the episodes. You know, it's going to take them a while to kind of get that going. I do think they have shown improvement over the season. From where they were, you know, first couple of games to recent games, mm-hmm. um, but it's still kind of the same old song and dance for them. They give up way too many goals. They're very uh, undisciplined defensively. Uh, you know, a lot of mistakes in the back, um, and, and that tends to, you know, put them behind the eight ball. Like in the Baltimore game, I th- what Geo? I think they were down. What was it? Six nothing. At, at yeah, six, point. six nothing, and then like quickly turn into six one seven one. Yeah, so you know they were behind the eight ball very very quickly. I mean they made a gallant effort to to, to come back in that game, yeah. um, but I mean it's too late at that point, right? Yeah, I think I think Baltimore created like a very comfortable lead that by the time that they wanted to push back, it it didn't it didn't matter. Uh, they were just too far too far ahead, and. I, I think also Mike had a huge game, right? 17 saves on the night. Um, he, he came up big against some shots. And, and I know, like, I, I heard it. Fans were giving it to Marco Fabian. And anytime he was on the ball, they would just boom. And when he took a shot and Mike would save it, it was the biggest, biggest roar. It was hilarious to watch um, just how how – much they antagonized Marco Fabian. I heard this one lady say, they pay you all this money to do nothing. I'm like, oh, man, the crowd is being crazy today. <laughs> yeah, uh, was, you know, Zierhofer played great. He had some very, very key saves in that game um, and got a goal to boot, right? Can't, can't yeah. not mention that. Um, and I love the people who are like, oh, well, it's in Baltimore. You shouldn't be able to score a goal and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, uh, goalkeepers were scoring goals in 1982, all right, in indoor. So uh, just slow your roll there, people. Yeah, I think it was a good game for Baltimore. I think Empire is just – we thought they were going to get it together, but they're not getting it together. And I, I at this point, at this point, I think the West is set in stone. I think there's too much of a difference for for Empire to catch up to Tacoma. I mean, they're what 
10 points in difference. I, I think it might even be more. I think Empire only has eight points and Tacoma has ah, I'm drawing a blank, but I just I just think there's too much space. Uh so Tacoma has 21 points, Empire has eight points. That's just yeah. I, I think I think the West is set in stone. I think at this point they're just trying to figure out who's gonna play San Diego and who's gonna play Chihuahua. Agreed. That the West is Signed, sealed, and delivered uh, already at this point in the season. That's going to be your four teams. It's just going to be a matter of now, you know, right, who's going to play San Diego as the one seed and who's going to play Chihuahua as the two seed, right? And to be, honest, what... with, and to be honest with you, Gio. Yep. Right? You I'm... know where I'm going, right? You might want to be the four seed and play San Diego, right? Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think so. I mean, granted, Chihuahua only plays San Diego one more time, so that order probably won't change all that much. But um, uh, yeah, I think I think you want to you want to avoid Chihuahua and you want to play San Diego, which is weird to say because San Diego is the fir- the one seed. But I guess the the Monterrey hand that was hand held to or handed to Chihuahua, it it is what it is. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, Chihuahua will catch San Diego. Uh, I don't see San Diego, you know, mm. rolling off five losses here in, in the end of the season. But that being said, you know, Chihuahua's schedule is very favorable, right? They play Strikers twice. They play Harrisburg twice. They play Dallas. They play Baltimore. So they're going to rack up some wins. I, I think they, they put themselves a little too far back with all the Monterey losses. Yeah. Um. Yep. So let let's let's move on because we still have a lot to talk about. <laughs> we still have a lot to talk about. Um, but that's how the weekend wrapped up. For those that aren't watching or I, I don't know, are following the standings. This is the current because we've been talking about standings a lot. This is currently I'm just gonna do the top four, right? Because the rest well, I'll include Baltimore just because they're on the cusp. But uh for the east, you have Monterey at 43 points, Utica City at 33 points. Milwaukee at 28 points, Can, uh, Kansas City at 27, and Baltimore on 18, um, which is – St. Louis isn't that far back either. They're only at 14 points. Obviously, Harrisburg at the bottom. I know I said I was only going to do the top four. Don't judge me. West, <laughs> West we have uh, San Diego at 32, Texas at 27, Chihuahua at 24, Tacoma at 21, Empire at eight and Dallas on two. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I think, yeah, the, I think the east is much more entertaining this time around. Last year, the west was like a little closer. I think the east is more entertaining this time. It is, I mean, it, it's it's that's the only compelling race that's going to happen from now to the end is that four seed, uh, in the east. You know, St. Louis looks close if you look at the points right they're only four behind baltimore but they have three games in hand to st louis so it's not really that close yeah um, no i i don't i don't think so either but hey uh, so, so yeah it, it's oh yeah i mean anything can happen um but i yeah the the west is set um I, the, the top three in the east is set not necessarily in that order but they're there and then it's going to be that that run for the fourth seed yeah for sure, for sure. All right, let's get quickly into the news and the, the latest on um, 
the MASL. And then I have a question for you, which I, I feel might not be joining us tonight just because of uh, other things that I hope everything's okay. He did reach out just so everyone knows he's okay. Just, but life, life. Let's just leave it up. Yeah. So news, MASL news. If I, as people know, I love to surf the website <laughs> and I just find little nuggets of, in, I wouldn't say enjoyment, but things that causes us to talk. And St. Louis, um, St. Louis Otto Yahich has been suspended indefinitely. This happened on the 9th of February. We have no idea why. For those that are wondering if he played the season, yes, he's played the season. He's played five games this season. Um, it says indefinitely until reviewed. What does that mean? What do you think could happen? And do we think this could happen more to other players? Well, to answer your question, do I think this could happen to other players? Absolutely, because we've seen it happen to other players. Um I had no idea, Gio. I saw this on in the suspension notes as well. And that's it, right? It's very vague. Obviously, we're not pertinent to all the inside information. I mean, I haven't seen anything during any game that would hit. I don't know if this is a you know, a, a, an internal punishment, I, I would imagine. I'm again, I'm just speculating here because I have no idea, but we haven't seen anything as far as in-game stuff. So I would think it would have to be something behind the scenes, but yeah, we've heard nothing from either the team nor the league. Yeah. I I've heard rumors and I really don't want to get into rumors, spilling rumors and stuff like that. So I won't say anything. But what I, I what I will say is that what if if this is locker room stuff, like you don't have to come out and say what's going on, but you could just say this happened because of off the field stuff, right? Just just to leave people in the know because I I think Yahich was kind of at one point like one of the faces of St. Louis. Oh yeah, he was a and, big player. He's such a huge player for it. He spent time with the indoor uh, or with the futsal national team. And I feel like just to like kind of like try to sweep it under the rug is kind of messed up, right? It, it, it's it's really well. So, Steve, the, the Mashad, there's a there's a story there. That was 100% locker room stuff. It yeah. just no one came out and made a public um, message, right? There were some, some, in, some locker room conflicts that – couldn't be solved between two top players who are no longer at the, the, the that club now. So it's like at this point, it doesn't even matter. They somehow both ended up in the, the same club. But anyways, um, <laughs> let, let's move on. But not, but not really. But not really because Jeff didn't return to the indoor world. He stayed outdoor, but they signed for the same club. But anyways, um, I, I, I'll say this. It's It's – I wish people like, for example, when a player has become so important to your team, let's just just let the fans know. You don't have to get into details. Just let the fans know this happened and this is what you can expect. Out of respect for the player, out of respect for the fans, just because I think Yahij was such a huge and he had such potential. I hope we see him back 
whether it's with another team or whatever. I hope to see him back because he was such a good um, I think had a lot of potential and such a good player. I agree. Yeah, he was a great he was a great player for them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out and how much information actually is um you know put out. I I think you know historically we've seen that stuff like this very little information is put out but you know I hope that changes man. I really yeah. want that to change. I like for the league I I I feel like the league should try to make that change because like fans are tuning in, fans are watching, they want to know what's happening to their their favorite player like I just you don't owe it to us. I, I know you don't owe it to the fans, but maybe we need to be the voice, right? I don't know. Um, but Brad, the next piece of news, I'll leave it to you because this is your uh, your uh, how does a lot? That's a good question. How does a locker room in uh, or scenario turn into a? I don't even know why I couldn't read that for altercation. I guess um, is what the better term there, but. Uh, how does that turn into a suspension? Um, well, what happens is the, the teams suspend them, right? So the team well, suspends them. And... Well, before they even get to that, right? Before they even get to that, incidents in the locker room, they um, the team will review if it goes against like their player conduct or code or whatever or, or up, up to the head coach's uh, decision. In some cases, which is for for my, I understand why head coaches need to control that and stuff like that. But there should be a little bit more protection for the players, I think. And um, once the coach decides that, the GM is going to back the coach, and they're just going to suspend the player, like you said, Brad. And then there's no player union, so it's not like anyone is going to defend the player. So whatever the coach slash GM says is what's going to go. And if a team wants to suspend a player indefinitely, that's nothing that can be done. And, and kind of the other side to that, Geo, is, you know, with no player union or anything like that, no representation, the players have to represent themselves, right? So if nothing was done during an incident that sh someone maybe thought should have, you know, a player can go directly to the league themselves yeah right so and should i i would advocate for players to do it i feel like a lot of players feel like they can't because there is no player union they they feel like there should be backlash but i i don't I, I think players should talk to the league should voice their 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 concerns because if not the league's never going to improve and players aren't going to talk to us and if they do talk to us, we're going to try to respect their privacy unless they ask us to advocate for it, which in right. those cases we will, and we will speak on their on their behalf. But I, I, I think um, a lot of that culture should change and needs to change um, because it's only going to improve the league. It's only going to make the league better. So the more we – the product is the player, and if we protect the players, then this league improves. And that's just my thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with everything, all that. Brad, I'll let you deliver this piece of news because I know this is near and dear to you. Yeah, so we had a, a pretty cool announcement this week from Baltimore, right? I mean, obviously we're Baltimore guys here, but, um, you know, they announced the uh, Blast Spring Classic, which is going to be the outdoor game, right? So they're going to take indoor field, 
plop it outdoors. Um, it's going to be at Unitas Stadium, which is named after the, uh, you know, Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas, just, you know, immortal uh, Baltimore Colts uh, player. So uh, that's going to be March 23rd. You know, we're praying for good weather, but um, <laughs> in, in, in Maryland, in Maryland. <laughs> Maryland, end of March, it could be 70 degrees or it could be a blizzard. We don't know. So, um, but, you know, uh, I wanted to thank Phil and Alex. You know, they they promoted it on MASL Monday. Um, uh, you know, so really trying to get some leverage behind it. I just did an episode of the Blastcast on it. So shameless plug. Look on Blast social media for that. Um, so, Steve, how big is the field going to be? Yes. So That's a good question. Um, I was going to ask that. <laughs> so we talk about this in my Blastcast episode coming out sometime this week. So make sure you watch it. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it will be um, – <laughs> it won't be smaller. Let me put it that way. Uh, it, 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 there is a possibility, okay, there is a possibility that it could be a bit larger. Possibility. We'll just leave it at that. Brad, you're going to leave me in suspense. You're going to leave me in suspense. I don't like that. <laughs> but uh, I think but, this is cool. Yeah, and, and like I said, uh, I'm not just plugging my show, but check it out because we talk. they talk about uh, – I had the guys on to do the field and the setup and all that stuff, so they talk about kind of the process, what it's going to be like taking it out there and getting it all set up. Um, pretty big undertaking. Um, so it's going to be a really, really cool event. I know the league's really – getting behind it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very excited for it. Any of you guys out of town, you know, come on out, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a really, really cool, um, event, you know, something very, very unique. And, uh, you know, it, for you NHL fans, it's like the winter classic, you know, they take the, the rink, plop it outside in the stadium. And, uh, that's what we're going to do here, uh, in Towson. So pretty cool event. 11 a.m. game, Gio. In the morning? Yeah. Oh, I thought I was going to be out on it. But it's Saturday, right? It's a Saturday. It initially was on the calendar at 6 p.m. It is at an 11 a.m. start time. And it's uh, against the Dallas Sidekicks. I don't know if I said that. That's cool. I, I This is a really cool event. I hope they make this a yearly thing um, because I think it's it's kind of cool. March is a little sketchy with weather, but I I think it's cool. I think it's a cool event. And and uh, for those of you that go to Baltimore games normally, you know, we do have, uh, I mean, admittedly, we have some pricey tickets. Um, this event, $15 tickets. That's Get it. Out. Yeah. Bargain deal right there. Yeah, $15 tickets. So um, very, very reasonable price. You know, bring your whole family, your extended family, the family that you don't like, you know, whomever. Wow. Whomever. 15 bucks. I mean. Just, just reserve their seat across the way from you. The, re <laughs> the stadium is big enough, so you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, Brad, thank you for all the information. We're looking forward to this one. This is going to be a fun game. And those that are out of town, come on down. Or, or and, and, Jack, we hope to see you there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, social media. Sorry. Um, 
but let's 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 move on because we still have a lot to cover. I, we'll probably won't get into too much of the look ahead. We'll probably just be able to talk about tonight's game and our games of the week. But before we do that, I want to enter this topic because I saw it on off the wall, the Facebook group, and it kind of sparked some interest for me. And that's the question is, should MASL expand into Mexico or keep it as is? Background on this, a lot of people think Monterrey and Chihuahua are like all-star teams. And they've ha- they're have kind of dominant versus the U.S. teams. What are your thoughts on that? And do you agree? W- or which, which way do you lean? So this is a very complicated question. And it has, <laughs> I, it's, you know, my short answer is yes. I would love to see them expand in Mexico, right? The more we grow the league, the better. I mean, that's that's obvious, right? Obviously, you want to have the right ownership in place, the right management in place, so they're sustainable, right? We don't want fly-by-night, you know, gone one year, you know, in one year, out the next. Um, so you want that. Um, but, yes, we want sustainable growth, right? Sustain, sustainable expansion. Um, where I see this, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword for the league in the simple fact that, and it comes back to this same issue we talk about all the time, the league has to get the visa issue corrected, right? Mm. If you're going to be a league that spans two countries, it you can't have the issues that you're having. You just can't. It's not fair to the teams. It's not fair, definitely not fair to the players, um, and it's not fair to the fans of the teams that come out and watch the the, the players that they want to see. So I think expansion is great, um, but what good is it if the players can't play the games? You know, you know what I mean. So yeah. I, I would love to see expansion, um, but they got to get the visa issues corrected. Yeah, I, I, I would agree there. I think that's where they start, right? They start by getting the visa situated, the visa issue situated, then then get the right ownership. But let's say that all happens. Let's say, let's assume what if this happened. Do you think they should then turn around, make a complete MASL in Mexico division league yeah. separate yeah, from... I- well, I don't think not separate from the league. I think it would be, you know, like the Eastern Conference, like the Western conference. conference, and have a Mexican conference, right? I think we're far from that because I think you're gonna you would need, you know, like six teams. I think six teams in the, in that conference, right? So I think we're a little far off from that. I think ultimately down the line that would be a great um, idea. Um, but but yeah. Do you think that hurts the competition, right? Like I like I saw a comment in there that said that they want it to be a little bit more balanced with talent and all that, but I, I I don't agree with that. Like I feel like the best team should play the best teams to become better. No, I, I agree with that. You know, I mean we we had a little bit of a conversation earlier today about it, Geo, and I do see the point of it's it's a numbers game, right? If you have two teams, right? Two teams mm-hmm. and 
I'm just making this number up, and 60 players, okay, you're going to get the best of those 60 on those two teams, right? Now, if you have those same 60 players and you have eight teams, those players are going to be more dispersed evenly out. You're going to see that. So I kind of see that that rationale of, well, there's only two teams in Mexico, so they have the best of the best, and they're basically all-star teams. Um, I can see that point. Um, you know, you're more in touch with kind of, you know, how that works down there than I am. So, I mean, you would know more than I would. I'll tell you this. Um, it, 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 yes, in the cases of those that don't, aren't dual citizens, and yes, in the case of those that don't have visas. Aside from that, look at San Diego. They are literally filled with Mexican players. And then the other thing is, like, I, I get that there's two teams in Mexico, but there's a lot of international players that come here that are either dual citizens, that are, they have visas and become dual citizens, that really makes up a huge pool here in in U.S. I think the teams that are in U.S. just need to be more efficient at finding talent. Look at Kansas City, right? They they have a lot of talent. Look at um well San Diego's a little different because they have that, but like Texas, right? They have a lot of dual citizen players on Texas. And I, I think just the teams need to become better all around at discovering talent. What makes it easy for Mexico, and I think that's where it's like, okay, maybe I agree a little bit, is that all the football rapido players can go there and play there. But not all yeah. of them are good enough to play there. Like we assume that all the players are good. They're right. just Chihuahua is probably very unique in that their players come from their academies. Monterrey is more of the all-star team. Chihuahua produces talent. Monterrey finds talent. So there's a little difference there and a little nuances there. And I I, I think we shouldn't give teams excuses at not finding talent. They just need to become better at scouting. And that's why M2 is becoming important. That's why, um, you know, those relationships with other futsal and indoor teams are huge. Now let me ask you this, Gio, and this is, this is very hypothetical um, because we don't even know if Guadalajara is even going to, if that is yeah. even going to happen, but yeah. let's just say it does. Right. Um, First off, and, and and forgive me for my ignorance here. How close is Guadalajara, say, to like Monterey or Chihuahua? It's pretty far. So, right? so well, so to Monterey isn't isn't ridiculously far. I'm well, it's probably closer to Chihuahua, actually. Okay. See, the the reason geographically I'm asking... geographically is closer to Chihuahua, but flight paths. Yeah. There are more direct flights to Monterrey than there are to Chihuahua. And the reason I'm asking you this in my hypothetical situ uh, situation here is, you know, let's just say Guadalajara were to come in, you know, how much of an impact do you think that would have on those two teams as far as player personnel? No. Um, so Monterrey, Monterrey, Chihuahua, Sonora, and maybe Tamaulipas 
are probably so stacked with indoor talent or football rapido talent that yeah. it's not even gonna matter. Um, Sonora and oh, even even Baja California, which is to Tijuana, which yeah. also has a lot of talent, which is pretty much San Diego's market. There, there, there's so much talent in the north that they could find um, talent anywhere. And um, even the outdoor world, there's a lot of players that have gone through football rapidly because of the college programs that mm-hmm. I think they could fill the team and be fine without affecting Monterrey or Chihuahua. By now, the way, they come with big the, dollars. Yeah. And then, 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 then there's trouble. By the way, you mentioned Sonora. Um, I would love to see Sonora back. Love I'll tell you that. Sonora. I'll tell you this: the owner is pushing for it. Um, right now, uh, Chihuahua's franchise was on loan from Sonora, but up until last year, it was on loan, right? So they were they were paying the owner for the. Now they've outright bought it, so Sonora's right. way back in is a little bit more complicated because they have to buy the franchise, a new franchise, and and develop the new market and everything, but. The owner wants to wants to bring it back, um, so we we might see it. He he's making a big push for it, and he's putting a proposal. He actually might have already put the first proposal in, but we'll see. We'll see. I know he wants back. Yeah, so I mean, selfishly, some of my favorite games, those Sonora games, man. Oh, I'd love to see Sonora back in. They have a new sports like outdoors. So Sonora's still active. They just play in the leagues down south, yeah. and um. Uh, they have a new outdoor plex, which which is really nice looking. Really nice. Is looking. it? Do they still play in that in the same uh, arena, the indoor? So arena? they 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 can play in that arena, but recently they've been playing in the new the new plex they created because it's a bunch of fields, it's a bunch of outdoor fields like football rapido fields and seven yeah. seven aside fields. So yeah, super cool. Yeah, I, I would love to see them back in there, uh, like like old times in in the league. So great, great matchups with them. Yeah, definitely. As Baltimore fans, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, but but let's get into the let's let's quickly go through Texas versus San Diego because it's happening in less than a half an hour or just a half an hour from now, and uh, and then we'll talk about what is the game of the week for you. So quickly, who's winning and why they're winning for tonight. So on paper, this looks like an amazing matchup, right? And you see this at the beginning of the year, and you get all excited. You know, this is going to be a great game. This is going to be a huge letdown tonight, unfortunately, right? Uh, Texas is without the mom line. Um, I'm hearing they're going to be without Vinny Dantas. So, you know, not that those guys are the whole deal, but, I mean, let's be honest with you. Let's be honest there. It's a massive, massive uh you know, missing talent for Texas. So uh, this should be a pretty um, standard win for San Diego at home. Yeah, I mean, those four players you mentioned are their top four points. Like without them, it's 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 a big uphill battle. I, I I'm gonna agree with you. I think San Diego wins just because of the talent Texas is gonna be missing. And obviously San Diego is good, but I think the talent Texas is missing is more of an impact than San Diego just being San Diego. Yes. 
I, I would agree. Uh, I would agree. All right. So then excluding this game, because it's going to be a letdown. We know this is going to be uh, a, a, a thumping for, for Texas, we think. What is the game of the week for you then? Um, I actually have, you know, I mean, obviously Texas plays San Diego again, which they're going to be without the, the guys again. So that's it, going to be another textbook win for San Diego. I think I have two games of the week, actually, I think. And they have huge playoff implications and we're going to be focusing in on the East. And I think that's the uh, Chihuahua Kansas city game and, and the Utica Baltimore game. I think they're the, the games of the week for obvious reasons. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, yeah, because there's not too much West going on. I mean, Tacoma's playing Monterrey. Tacoma's playing Dallas. Um, both of those are going to be oh, – I, I forgot Mon- Tacoma's. So, Tacoma is playing two games, not just Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but obviously, Monterrey would have won that game whether Chris and Nick were there or not. So, I think that that's, that's might as well just move on with your lives there. Um San Diego's playing Empire. I don't think there's a big implications there. Milwaukee's playing St. Louis. I don't think I think the two you mentioned are really important, but the one for me, and I think it's just because it's gonna be a good game and it's gonna tell us where these teams are. It's the Milwaukee versus Utica game. I think this is a big matchup. Um obviously it's the two and three playing, it's not gonna change much, but Milwaukee drops points. And Kansas City doesn't. Now we're looking at a flip. We're looking at a flip. And now can Milwaukee's racing against Baltimore. So that three, four, five spot in the East, it, it could get a little spicy if yeah. Milwaukee doesn't start to make some space because Milwaukee's only a point ahead of Kansas City. So they have two games this weekend. They drop either one of those and Kansas City gets points or Baltimore gets points and get a little spicy. Yeah, that. We said it earlier that that last spot in the East is going to be a run till the till the end this year. It's gonna be yeah. fun. It'll be fun for sure, for sure. But we're gonna call it a night here, everyone. Thank you for watching. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit a comment and the bell notification. And if you aren't planning to watch it, definitely watch it. I know we're gonna say it's a letdown, but. Just watch them MASL. Why not? It's on. Enjoy it. And if you're listening to us the next day on wherever you get your platform, your your podcast, make sure you hit the follow and drop a rating. Everyone, have yourself a great night. Enjoy tonight's game, and we will see you all next week.